Now listen, I know some of you are thinking this, okay? I just figured I'd lighten the room up a little bit. But when I turned around at one point, I thought, okay, a tarp, the movies, y'all aren't going to wrap me up in this and like put me away, are you? In the backseat of somebody's car or something? Yeah, I gave you a thought, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. You weren't thinking that, but now you are. So I could just fall backwards, roll me up and put me in your trunk and get the new one. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, um, we're going to be kind of adventuring into, and you've got to be honest with yourselves, okay? And I think in church, it's a good place to be honest. And that is, there are some awkward moments in the Bible. More specifically, and, and I'll just say, if you've ever been a parent and you have to sit down uh, when your kids can finally read and they just start reading the Bible, it does not take them long, as in like fig leaves, to Cain and Abel when Charlotte comes in and says, what's this thing about the brothers? And I'm like, oh good, she's been reading. You know what I mean? Like, what do you do? You have to explain it. She read it, right? And so there are just, if we're honest with ourselves, there are some awkward moments in the Word of God that are worth explaining. Now, today's, I'm going to take you on a journey that I'm sure none of you have ever been a part of, okay? Have you ever had anything awkward happen to you? I hope so, because I think all of us at some point, okay, have you ever turned the corner and you're in a situation, you turn the corner and you walk up and everybody starts to stutter a little bit and then you realize they were doing what? They were talking about you. You know, that happens to me a lot. Anyway, um, I don't know if it happens to you, but I'm pretty sure in life at some point you've turned the corner, whether at home, at work or somewhere, and it's like, oh, I think that was about me. I better just back up and let them finish. So anyway... I've gotten old enough to say, ah, just keep at it. Um, But I want to just share this awkward moment that I'm sure none of you have ever had. But as a youth pastor in Seashore, or Seashore Church of the Nazarene in New Jersey, I had this happen a couple of times. And um, that is is that I got the phone call from the youth, didn't want to call their parents. And um, they were leaving a party or were a part of a party. And I'm sure none of you have ever been at a party or part of one because you're Nazarenes. And so, of course, you wouldn't, right? We partied differently, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Anyway, well, I want you to imagine this, okay? Um, a, a parent set, you can just say it's in the movies, not really what you ever did, but um, uh, a parents go away and they leave their teenage daughter or son at home. Are you with me on this? Okay. And things start to happen. They start to develop. The parents say, here's the emergency contacts. Don't have anybody over. Here's the approved list. And, and we know how that goes. We've all seen the movie, right? And they begin to invite their friends. And before you know it, it's out of control. And then the trip gets canceled or the trip gets shortened. And what happens? Mom and dad come home and they drive up and there's activity at their house, right? I want you to keep this in your mind because this is for real. Um, we're going to use this today. And so they drive up, they walk in, they turn the lights on, they shut the music off. Now, if it were me, I'm just telling you, right? I would go to the back of the house where the main electric is, you know what I'm saying, and just shut her down, okay? And start that way, then make my entrance, okay? I'm just saying, I mean, I don't know, I probably won't, but it sounds good. And so anyway, they come in and what do they do? It's awkward. What do the friends do? What happens? Well, things have to happen. And unfortunately, I wish it weren't so, but these kind of things are so. They really do happen. I've picked kids up from them and asked, well, what do we do from here? Where do we go from here? We got to go home. We got to tell your parents. And, uh, and so they're awkward moments. I want to take you to a scripture, if you have your Bibles. I want to take you to Mark chapter 11. And we're actually going to go from uh, verse 12 um, all the way to the end. I'm going to kind of describe 
the first part of it and um, give you kind of my interpretation of it. Most of you will know it. And there's a reason that these two events are coupled together. Um, it's signifying kind of the same lost state. And so, uh, first of all, I don't, I don't know about what the excitement is in the Bible, but people seem to like fig trees, like fig fruit in the Bible. I like fig newtons. I don't really like figs, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. But we had this dude in Nacogdoches, he always dropped the bag of figs on my desk. And finally, when I got to know him well enough, I gave him the bag back and said, look, you know I love you and you love me. Can you turn this into fig newtons and then I'll eat them? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, my secretary would say, listen, pastor, you got to get rid of them because they mold. You know, I wouldn't know what to do with them. So anyway, but Jesus apparently liked figs. And um, I just want you to imagine this before I read it, okay? He's walking along. It says in scripture that he was hungry. Remember, he was human. He was hungry. And I believe, and this is the week that um, things were going down and he was about to be crucified. Yes, we're kind of going back to pre-time here. And um, Jesus was on a mission. And he's walking towards a fig tree. And as he gets towards it, he was hungry. Y'all ever been hungry? You know what's true about all of you? Because I know this is just true. Some of you get hangry. You ever been hangry? Okay, where it's just, you're done being hungry, and now you're mad because your spouse ain't making you no dinner. You come home. I mean, it's late when you come home, and you expect something, ain't nothing there, and so now you're hangry, right? You ain't ever been hangry. Okay, anyway, Jesus is hangry, and so he's walking towards the fig tree and realizes, now, if you know anything, this was not the season for figs, but if you know about fig trees, they can actually keep their fruit on them all year, and then they blossom and grow over them. So at times, fig trees could have fruit at all times. Anyway, Jesus goes up to it. There's nothing there. He's hangry, and he curses the tree. Y'all remember this? You ever go out in your yard and curse something? Not you. Anyway, Jesus goes up. He curses the tree, and then he proceeds to the temple. These are two very specific events. He proceeds to the temple, gets to the temple, and here, here's the moment I want you to get to, okay? He begins to get really upset. And so that leads us to the scripture. And so I want to start here in verse 15. I already gave you the first part of it. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. And then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, It is not written, my house, shall not be, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him. Because remember, they would have had to what? Approved it. They would have had to say, Hey, it's okay. Now keep in mind, this scripture is all about personal gain. These things had nothing to do with the temple. They had nothing to do with the poor. They had everything to do with their personal gain, which the priests would have had to have allowed, right? And so why would the priests want to get rid of them? Well, their revenue, their extra revenue was what? Cut off. And so they heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city... As they passed in the morning, they saw the fig tree. Now it's the disciples, right? They saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. Come on out, church. 
withered away. He just came from a temple that no longer looked like a temple. Then they went back to the fig tree, and this kind of closes what Jesus was teaching them. And from the root, the fig tree was dead. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. <coughs> and whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. God, today we just pray that you would bring Revelation to your scripture. God, bring truth not only to the scriptures, but allow it to come into our minds, our hearts, and our temple. Because Jesus, I know, and you know, that we are now the temple. We know today that this is foreshadowing, and it's all about what we allow to be a part of our temple. And so, God, today, let us push through the awkwardness and get to your glory, and get to your message, and get to your heart. Come against the enemy in the name of Jesus, and we ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Can I tell you something funny now? So my children, it just reminded me, now at the table, her parents have been around, and mom has a hard time understanding, uh, mostly hearing, but understanding what Hazel says because her language isn't so good. Well, every time we pray now, because they've been in service, she always says, and all the people said, and then we say amen. She started it. I don't know. So now she just thinks that's how you end a prayer. And she was like, Mimi, you're not ending it. And it's like, Mimi, we now end prayers with all the people said amen, and the whole table says amen. So, <laughs> all right. Let's talk about a couple of words here. The first word is how. And I want to say this to you. How does this seem awkward? Well, I want you to just put yourselves in the place of the disciples. And so the disciples are walking along, they're following Jesus, and all of a sudden he does something out of character. Now it's not really out of character when we begin to understand the meaning, but understanding where the disciples are, it would be awkward for him to walk to a fig tree hungry, out of season, and expect it to be in season, producing fruit. <coughs> they didn't say much. They didn't really address it. They kind of let Jesus be, and so they just follow him. But let's be honest, it's got to be kind of awkward. Even though we kind of understand how figs work, it wouldn't be that every tree or every fig tree had been not harvested, and so they'd have some leftover from the season before. And we're going to get to it at the end. I'm not going to let you know now, but at the end, why it's so significant of what Jesus said and why he said that to the fig tree. But let's, let's get to the, the kind of awkward uh, encounter in the temple. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever been a place where you know something's wrong, right? But somebody else handles it, and you kind of just sit back and you say, oh, I'm with them. You ever been there before? Like, you know there's something going on, but somebody's more bold than you are, and so they go in and they address it, and you just kind of say, hey, I'm with them. They got this. You like that, don't you? When you have to correct something and somebody that kind of has a hold of it steps in. So here's another awkward moment. Jesus walks into the, ta into the temple, and here's what I want you to think about, okay? Let's go back to the party scene. The parents come in and they say, what are you doing in my house? Jesus steps in and says, what are you doing in my house? 
In fact, I think he probably went further and said, what are you doing in my father's house? Now you say, well, what do you mean and and why would he expect church? He came just a couple of days before into Jerusalem. You can't tell me that if they understood him to be the son of God, if they understood him to be the son of God, then why didn't they get the temple cleaned up? There's a significant time in my life that I remember, and this happens in marriage, right? That she had gone away. This is Ashley now. Are you with me? Okay. Ashley had gone away one time and she left me a list. You ever get a list from somebody you love? I hate them. Anyway, I'd like to burn some paper and just say, I don't know what happened to lists, but it's ingrained in my mind. She gave me a list, and I was like, honey, I work, and you're gone for like a day and a half. Like, this lady's retreat is lasting like Friday to Saturday night, and she's like, well, the kids won't be here because they're yada yada. And I'm like, okay, so... Anyway, um, I, I didn't get to it right on Friday night because there's something else going on. Kids came back Friday night, handled them. And, you know, they're a lot. You know what I'm saying? Kids are a lot. And so then I wanted to be like dad of the year. So in the morning we got up and we started doing things that she doesn't allow, you know, like Play-Doh and stuff. And, and so because <laughs> they were like, dad, why don't we? And they know what, what's not allowed. And so I just started saying, well, yeah, let's do it. And so, well, then it gets close to time and I get the text that says, we just left. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, well that means that I have to do what? I got to get things together. So then it's like everybody has a job, we're running around. Jesus came in, y'all remember Palm Sunday? He came in, everyone was aware, and they didn't stop. You know, Jesus comes in here every week, and some of us never stop, even though we know that he's around. We still are carnal. We still are rude. We still go back and do what we do every week. But we're a church person. Church, they knew he was around. So how in the world was it awkward? Well, I don't know what they were thinking, but somehow they must have thought that Jesus, the Son of God, wouldn't head to the temple. Well, why wouldn't he not head to the temple? Because it was his father's house. It would be odd if her parents came into Anderson, Indiana and never stopped at our house. Like if they said they're coming in, I would expect them to do what? If you had family that came from out of town and they came into town, you would hope and expect that they would do what? Come to your house. And if they don't, you'll be in my office saying, I can't believe what's going on. And so for some reason, they were so settled into their carnality that they didn't realize what was before them. So not only was it physically awkward when he walked in and saw that they had turned the temple into something else, it was also awkward in that, didn't you know I just got here and wouldn't you expect me to come here? And so, yeah, it was awkward. I think when Jesus opened the temple doors, he probably expected some different things, like healings, like the feeding of the poor, like the encouragement that he gave to others. If you remember, remember the the priest would get on Jesus, right, about the things that he did on the Sabbath, the things that he would do on. And so as he opened the temple doors, I think he expected some feeding of the poor. I think he expected some worship. I think he expected some, like, engagement in those that didn't know who God was. 
and yet he found none of that. And so, yeah, how does this seem awkward? I think it's really awkward. I think sometimes when I preach, it's awkward. No offense, but it just is. It's awkward for me when I learn it. And when he convicts my heart, it's awkward. And so, it was awkward. Jesus came into the Father's house and found everything but the Father's work being done. Let's talk about the what. Can you say what? What? Okay, anyway. Um, I, I want to talk about this for a second. I think this is kind of funny, but this is just me. Um, but uh, what feeds you? Now, I don't mean leash chicken or wherever you like to go or your mom's cooking or your spouse is cooking. Or, um, I don't mean that, but what feeds you? Like, what's feeding the core of you? Think about it. And so, what feeds you, are you feeding it? Just two statements, think about it. What feeds you? And I don't mean food. And then, are you feeding it? So, let's talk about addiction. Addictions, we believe, until we get a revelation that they're feeding us what we need. And then at some point, my prayer for people is that they would realize those addictions, those elements that we put into ourselves, that we consume, that, that we allow kind of cover up the real situation, that eventually we realize they aren't really feeding us, but we're feeding them. Because see, what feeds you, you feed. So when the addiction feeds you, you feed the addiction. We watch this real life because, I don't know, when her parents are in, they like to watch real life stuff. And I kind of sometimes want to get away from real life. Do you know what I mean? Like, we deal with real life, don't we, every day here? And so sometimes it's good to just go into, like, something light and fluffy. And so we're watching this show. And, and immediately I thought, oh, my goodness, I could use this in the message. And there was this family and a real life story. And, and uh, he had multiple homes, houses, and spouses but none of them knew about each other because each of them thought that he was on a trip, okay, uh, somewhere else. Well, one of the wives began to realize that um, she was feeding him, but he wasn't feeding her. And then she began to get suspicious about what was really going on. And then come to find out, she realized that he was no longer feeding her because he was feeding somewhere else. It's the same thing when someone decides to step out of marriage and find another, another trough. But you know what that trough doesn't do? It doesn't feed back the way that the Lord does. It doesn't feed back in the way that staying in your marriage does. And so church, let me ask you this, and let's take it here real quick because you look really heavy. Um, the ground fed the fig tree... The sky watered the ground, because you know the Bible is just a bunch of big cycles. Y'all realize that? We could study cycles all day. He's created cycles. The ground has to stay moist. It has to have nutrients. It's why farmers switch their land, right? Because you can't just keep sucking from it every year because eventually it won't be worth anything. The rain God created, the clouds, that whole system, it produces water for the ground, and then the ground produces the nutrients and water for the fig tree, then the fig tree grows and it produces figs so that we can eat off of it. So it's kind of like a cycle. The temple, the intention of the temple was to feed the people, both physically and spiritually. 
Because you know the scripture tells us that the poor and the broken were supposed to go to the temple and receive help. Those that needed healing were supposed to go by the waters and receive healing. On and on. Interestingly enough, the people in the temple were okay with the temple feeding them. But they weren't okay with feeding See, in our relationship with God, we often think it's a one-way, but eventually it's a two-way. Because what's feeding you, you should be. If you're in a relationship and it's a one-way relationship, do you know what it eventually becomes? Not a relationship. A relationship takes co-partnership. It takes working together. And so here we find that no longer was the temple producing what the temple was intended to produce. So let's talk about the why, okay? Um, think about this statement. It's like this. We are fed by Christ, but we feed something else somewhere else. The fruit goes somewhere else. Now, um, I sit with a lot of people, and I chuckle sometimes, not meaning to, in very awkward moments, because, like, couples will sit in front of me and tell me, like, what there, what's going on? And, and the, the lady's spouse will say, well, you know, I've kind of let this go on and, and this has happened and, and I've just kind of, it's been okay. And I chuckle. I, I did this very recently and I didn't mean to. And she was like, I mean, it was an awkward moment. Like they're sharing things with me, very intimate and I'm chuckling. And they said, well, I, said I can't help it. Had I done that the first time, do you know what I'm saying? Like my bags wouldn't even be on the yard. They'd be on the outside of the fence. Do you know what I'm saying? Like on the street that the government owns because my wife would have put it outside the fence and then the grass line and then made sure it was on the road so a car could hit it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I'm just being honest. Ask her today and she'd say, yeah, if he did that, he can just say, there is no talking through that. We talked through that before we got married. She said, listen, if I marry you, this is it. Interestingly enough, when we marry Jesus, we don't, we don't function the same way. We take advantage. We expect. We skip the journey and want the blessing. We skip the work and want the... Can you see where Jesus' discontentment was coming from? We often like to talk about the scripture. and Jesus was just so mad. Can you believe how angry he got in the temple? Can you believe that why he wouldn't get angry? He showed up. They knew he was there, and they kept on keeping on. I mean, they didn't even think like, okay, we got the message. Mom and dad are coming home early. We better get things straightened up. They got the message, and guess what they said? Business as usual. Business as usual. Now, let's, let's take it a little further, okay? Now, this is where you're going to have a hard time. Jesus' words... Let's take it to Jesus' words. So we get to this place in Scripture where it says that, May no one ever, he curses the fig tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Now what do you mean here? What's Jesus? Come on now, you all feel dead today. What's Jesus? He's life. He was hungry. He created the cycle that the fig tree was in. He said that if a mountain... And so as he walked towards the fig tree, guess what was walking towards the fig tree? Life. And yet as he got to the fig tree, no life came to the fig tree to provide for that which gives life. 
You know why? Because everything around the temple was corrupt. The temple's influence, that fig tree, that representation was showing Jesus that things were dead. There was nothing to pick from. There was nothing to glean from. And it didn't matter that life was headed in their direction. And so he gets to the temple and he finds no life. Here's what's so hard for the priest to understand. And here's why the priest got so upset with Jesus' words. Because you know what he said? He said, there's no need for this temple anymore. Because you know what, church? If this church burnt down, we would be sad. We would be upset. It's happened around the world. It's happened many a times. But guess what the truth of the matter is? As nice as any church building is, it's no longer the temple. If I said to you, next Sunday we're going to meet in the parking lot because we want our neighbors to see the baptism, hey, we're gathered there, right? And if you're the temple and I'm the temple and you're the temple and you're the temple and we gather out there. So Jesus was saying there's no need for the temple. The fig tree was the counterpart of the temple. It was the representation of the temple. And where do we get that? Well, when they walked by the next day, it was dead to the root. It was the capstone of those moments. Fig tree, temple, fig tree. And then he spoke the words to the disciples. See, it's different. Had he kind of cut off the limbs, guess what could have happened? They could have grown back. Had he taken off the It could have grown back. Church, he took it it from the root. He took it to the bottom. And so, what's the problem? Well, the problem was the temple was to be a place of worship. The problem was they had news that he was there and yet they didn't change. The problem was everything that should have been alive was dead. The problem is when Jesus comes to you, What happens? Are you a place of service, worship, giving, sacrifice, mercy, a place where people can find healing, a place where people... I was reading a commentary from John Wesley, and and in the church we get this confused. You're not going to like this, but I, I can blame him. And so... And he ain't alive anymore. Well, he is, but not here. And so, um, you know, talents and service are different. Talents are to honor God. He gifts them to you. Service is what was missing in that temple. They had missed it. Talents are great. Use them for the glory of God. Use them to worship him. Use them to honor him. But the temple was supposed to be a place of service and worship, and either were evident. And see, when you become what you were not created to be, it becomes awkward. I've been thinking about this, had a conversation with somebody yesterday, and, you know, the enemy is after our very core. 
The enemy's after sexuality. The enemy's after gender. The enemy's after all that we're created to be. And we sit around in the church and act like it's not happening. It is happening. And it's all over. And the bottom line is, if we get down to it, if we really get down to it, the enemy wants our original. The enemy wants the original. God created it. It's way back in the beginning. The enemy has to corrupt it. And so he's confusing us, and he's providing that confusion everywhere. And so what happens is we get confused, so the temple gets confused. And so when the temple comes together, we're confused. Or we're not confused, and we just decide not to acknowledge it or act like it's even happening because it doesn't affect me. Eh, I don't know if you've got about 10 years left. I think it's really going to affect you. And most of you that I'm looking at, I'm praying you're going to be around for another 10 years. And why? Because the enemy wants the core of who we are. The enemy wants to confuse our children. The enemy wants to confuse our makeup. Why? Because God has a created makeup that he actually created for you. And until you discover it, you're not going to feel right. You're not going to feel whole. You're not going to feel that completeness that you so desire. So, Jesus walks to a barren fig tree, then he walks to a barren temple, and then he leaves to a dead fig tree and says, let's go, disciples, we need to go create a new temple. And he heads to the cross. So, our character. You ever talk at home about your character? Let's talk about chickens. So <laughs> I feel like in our home right now, the only thing that I actually feel like is, is liable, let's just be honest, okay? I got sheep that eat a ton of food and they poop everywhere. Do you know what I'm saying? And like you have company over and I say, you know, you got to watch the, well, what can you do? And so, because they're all around the house all the time. Anyway, um, except when we leave them, they go in the field. But the thing about the chickens is I don't mind caring for them. I don't grumble or anything, you know what I'm saying? You know why? Because every morning when I get up, I take out eggs, and then we do cakes, we do quiches, we do eggs, you know what I'm saying? Like, it produces something. I feel like, okay, it's worth a little bit of feed that I give them because they're producing something. So I give to them, and then they give to me. It's like a co-relationship, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, if my wife said this, she would say, all the other animals do what? We give them love, and they give us love. Strangely enough, even the sheep, the sheep are obsessed with us. Why? Because we have loved them from early on. And so they have loved us back. Now they're obsessed with us. So let's take it to our character. If our character is like Jesus, as he gives, we give. I'm not talking financial. You all get what I'm saying. As he shows us how to, then we can, as he softens our heart, then our heart is softened towards others. As he changes our mindset, then our mindset towards others is changed. As he reveals more truth, then we're able to reveal more truth. As he grows us into new creations, then we're able to stand boldly as a new creation. And then all of a sudden, our character is reflective of the character of Jesus. The temple was supposed to 
be the living, present example of the character of God. And from the root of it, Jesus couldn't find anything worth keeping. So when he looks to you, what does he find worth keeping? Let's look at an older scripture. Whatsoever a man soweth, that he shall reap as well. So what you sow, you, you reap. What you care for, you reap. I was reading a study the other day, and I've just really been plagued. And, and I'm, I'm not saying against everything, but I'm just saying like, I read this study about visual um, connection and how it connects to our body and, and video games and the nature of the violence and how they're increasingly getting violent. And I'm not mixing everything in the bathwater, but I'm just saying like there are good video games and there are not so good video games. There's good TV shows and not good TV shows. And if you're a true holiness believer, much of that should be reducing in your life. Because I'm just being honest, part of why we're sitting around watching real stories is they're not really healthy either, but most of what's on TV, it's hard to watch more than four to ten minutes of it and not have your heart do what? Uh, That's probably not best for me. You say, well, our kids need to be exposed. Our kids need to, my kids at four and five need to see naked women or naked men and, and ads about and they need to hear about, no, they need to be kids. Why can't they just be kids? That's why our kids are outside. Because, see, here's the thing. What I allow to come in, how can I not expect it to go out? So if I'm playing a video game day in and day out that is violent, then why are we surprised when these events happen and we blame it on gun control? It's heart control. You can have gun control, but your heart be off, and it's still a heart issue. The United States is struggling with a heart issue, and we make it about everything else. And church, if your heart isn't bleeding Jesus, and if your heart's focused on stuff that's all about you, and how you fit, and where you should be, and what about, then as your temple goes out, you're going to make no difference. And Jesus looked at the temple and said, gosh, my dad's house is making no difference. And he walked away, and the disciples, in a very awkward conversation, said, that tree, now you all know, if a tree dies today, it's not withered to the root by tomorrow. You know that, right? You, you can put a, a flower, you can cut it off of its roots, and put it in the vase, or even lay it on your counter, and when you get up, it's going to look similar to what it... But when the power of God comes on something and says it no longer has use, then guess what it has? It doesn't have use. If you're a Catholic of background, there is something that you have to slice out of your being. There's something that I talk about to my aunts all the time because they always say, well, there's the possibility after my death of... No, no. When Jesus looks at your root, at your death, there is no working through it then. And so Jesus didn't let the temple come back and be, no, you know what happened a few days later? The temple veil was torn. And so, I guess, Jesus was in the city and they just didn't care. 
Jesus is in the church, do you care? Jesus is coming to you, do you care? When he comes towards you, think of yourself as the fig tree. Do you stay dead or does life start to come just because of his presence? The fig tree was out of season, as was the temple. So are you in season or are you out of season? Because I pretty much believe when Jesus comes to you, I'm going to hope that you're in season and ready to receive what he has for you. And yeah, it can be awkward. It can be hard. Pretty sure that the disciples had a lot of awkward moments. Pretty sure when they walked in the temple and Jesus did something he'd never done before, that it was awkward. But he did it because he was looking at death. Church, is he looking at death today? Or is he looking at life? And honestly, only you can answer it. And church, you know what my desire is? Is that when he looks to you, it's not awkward. Church, I've been in awkward moments with Jesus. I've been in places where he's come to me and I've not been in line with him. And it is awkward. And I honestly think that he's coming to some of us and he's saying, let's get past the awkward and get to the root. Because the, here's the other thing that this scripture didn't share, and that was that sometimes, sometimes, as the root's dying, he's waiting. As the root's withering away, he's right there waiting. But see, what happens is you get so blinded, and this is my closing statement, you get so blinded that even when Jesus comes into the city, you don't think to clean up some. And I'm not talking about what we used to say, well, you know, you can't this, that, the other thing. And I say it's a blessing to have cigarettes in the parking lot. Why? Because it means, hey, people are coming to see Jesus. That's external stuff. But when they come to see Jesus, what are they getting? What are they seeing? How's it changing them? And so when Jesus comes to your temple right now, what's he seeing? Is he seeing a den of robbers? Or is he seeing worship, service, healing, sincerity, authenticity, truth, mercy, grace, love, desires, willingness? If I were probably preaching 20 years ago, I'd say right now that this is all about entire sanctification. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Jesus came to the temple. The temple was supposed to be, was assigned to be his place. It got off track. And so he moved on. We're supposed to be 
because I know most of you, you're saved. You've accepted Christ. So when he comes to your temple, is he going to see a den of robbers? Or is he going to see a sanctified, heartfelt, life-connected person who says, Jesus, here I am, and just falls down? What's next? What's next, Lord? Where do we go? Where are we headed? What are you calling me to? God, today, God, honestly, I thank you for the awkward moments in my life. Because those awkward moments, thankfully, brought a tremendous amount of change, transformation, willingness. God, I don't want you to come to my temple and it be a place that you don't recognize. And God, my prayer for our, for our church, for your people, is that when you come to us, that we would be a place of hope, a place of your presence, a place of your love, and a place that you recognize. Because I think the greatest moment of hurt is when you don't recognize. So God, let us be a people that recognize God, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.